hello everyone and welcome all of you to Nikki Lyle Creative Presents with Industry Leaders where today I'm joined with Becky McGowan Banks. Um, so Becky is an ECD at VaynerMedia with over 17 years experience in advertising and nurturing talent and running award-winning creative departments. She's also involved in a lot of initiatives such as She Says and Creative Equals, uh, which I'll be asking her about later. So um, yeah, welcome Becky. Thank you so much for giving up your time. Uh, to spend with us today. I know you're very, very busy at the moment. So um, just so everybody knows, we're gonna keep this session very close to within the hour. Um, I'll be asking Becky some questions. If you have any, there's a little Q&A box there so you can put them in and we'll try to get to them towards the end if we can. So yeah, um, the first question I'd like to ask you, Becky, is um, what makes a creative stand out? for you whenever you've hired someone for your team? Um, well, I suppose, uh, anyway, firstly, not a problem. Thank you for asking me. Uh, great, to, great to join me, great to join you. Uh, it's uh, my first webinar, so let's see how that goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose with that question, looking for um, a creative, I'm, I suppose, constantly curious. So it's people who are also constantly curious. So people who have interest in other things, they always stand out because I believe to be a really effective creative, you have to bring other things to the party. It's not just a day job where you can go into the office and, and sort of just produce. So I'm always really interested in how people keep themselves topped up creatively and all the different strands that come with that, definitely. Yeah. And uh, what are big CV or portfolio no-nos in your eyes? Um, well, I suppose the CV stuff doesn't really, I don't really pay that much attention to them. Um, and particularly, you know, I don't think I ever have. Um, I've always been heavily involved in diversity um, issues and whether that's from education, from background, from uh, uh, country or, you know, religion or anything. So I've never actually really paid any attention to CVs. And I think that's quite common as a creative leader. Um, I suppose with the portfolios, the, the, the no-no is don't forget who you're talking to. So you are pitching to people who have effectively in your book or your folio, you're pitching to people who have done this for quite a long time. So um, remember the, the two things there, which would be um, we're in frequently incredibly busy. So be as brief and as concise as you possibly can and therefore resist the temptation to overfill your portfolio and also to over explain your thinking because really you know great creative should be able to stand out if you if you need to do a couple of explainers or a bit of a paragraph to set it up then brilliant but if you're giving me the whole sort of a4 sheets of an explanation and the creative work you're going to lose people beforehand so i think that's the that's the the no-no there for me is the big one yeah, that's advice that I always give to creatives is A, 99.9% .9 of the time they're going to be looking at your portfolio and not really your CV. And B, imagine yourself as being a bit like a website where um, everybody just lands on it for a few seconds to, to gather the information they need. Um, the only people that spend the longest amount of time on it is the owner of the company or the web developer. And as a creative, if you're checking your emails, looking at a portfolio, it needs to grab you straight mm -hmm. away. 
and yes. giving you the info you need. Um, so when interviewing someone to join your team, how do you like them to present their portfolio to you? Is it like PDFs or keynotes or websites that you prefer? Um, yeah, I don't necessarily have a preference. And that's partly because I've had some great interviews with people who have done separate things. So I suppose it might be useful to mention the things that have stood out for me yeah. is basically um, don't send me something that then you're going to take me through absolutely everything and the same thing again. Um, so if you are using a, a PDF or a, or a keynote um, presentation, then send sort of a wider form one I'd suggest to make the introduction to get that sort of note through the door and then potentially when you come and chat understand that you trim it down so which are the which are the ones that actually you'd really like my opinion on and you're really proud and you really want to get excited about me seeing um, so that we can actually have a directed conversation really Mm. Um, and it's the same with websites. So the best way I've had someone play their website because the you know having a website is normally just the link that you receive you know when you're when you're being introduced or whatever. And then to have it again in the interview, you need to um, make that fresh. So I'd suggest we all, with this person in particular, we almost played a, a roulette game of um, okay, I'm going to take the third one down on the left, and then um, or you know make it fun, make it different, but again have some purpose so it doesn't just feel like you have no route through the work that you're showing. Have sort of a theme in your head as to actually what do I want to, what story do I want to tell this person and make sure the work that you are showing reflects that story or what help do I want from that person mm. and again reflect the work that way. Yeah and how did you start out your own career as a junior creative? Um, golly so I was uh, quite lucky because obviously it was in the dark ages. So, um, but I graduated from Manchester um, and, um, and it was such a creative community up there. And it certainly didn't have the battlegrounds that London has now become for just even getting in the industry. There was some difficulty getting in, but I basically um, used, so in second year, which I think is quite common now, um, I came down to London and did um, an internship at Saatchi and Saatchi actually. I got it, I managed to get in there as um, an art direction intern um, and managed to see um, the silk cut campaigns, which I absolutely adore because I'm an art director by, by heritage. So um, managed to speak to the guys who were doing those and that inspired me. And then a second part of an internship I did within a tiny, tiny agency up in Manchester, who actually, when I graduated, I always said that I wanted to go traveling immediately. Um, but when I graduated, they offered me a role straight out of college. Um, so I think that was, it. and that's just all from being, I think the way, the way I normally put it is politely annoying. So that you sort of, any connections that you make, keep up and keep really personal with people. Um, the problem with that sort of at the time was then um, I then moved from the small agency because, you know, as advertising is, it has its ebbs and flows. I then went to McCann's um, up in Manchester, which is a beautiful building. Um, so my, my first job in, in big uh, ad land had its own pool and everything. It's in like a tiny little stately home. It's beautiful, honestly. Um, and then 
yeah, I, I had an amazing sort of art direction teacher there who sort of, well, she mentored me. She was one of the seniors. But then it was last in, uh, first out. So I was made redundant within six months of, of basically go through two jobs uh, in Manchester and then out. So my traveling plans came to fruition, which basically just stalled all of, um, all of my work plans for a while. Um, but yeah, I suppose what it did do is get me some experience under my belt so that when my travels uh, made their way round to Australia, I then had something in my portfolio that was actual work that, actually, that then could open the doors in the same way that many people do now, sort of going, hey, um, I was just knocking on doors of creative directors, trying to get moments with them um, and basically saying, you know, um, can I have some advice on my folio because it's, it's a UK folio, how do I need to change it to, to come across here better? And that way picked up freelance over in Australia. And then I was in Oz for five and a half years. So um, that sort of just grew and grew and grew. <laughs> so. Oh my goodness, that's quite the career journey, actually. Uh. <laughs> yes, nothing by halves. That's, that's kind of, you'll get to know this. <laughs> I think that's, that's the best way to become quite successful in the industry, though. You have to really go for it, throw yourself at it, and be very resilient as well. The fact that you were then made redundant, but you just kept going and, and didn't give up as well. I think that's the thing. And that's, that sort of comes under my curious comment at the beginning. I think um, we are in an amazing industry. Advertising and the design world is an amazing industry. And it teaches you so many skills that mean you don't have to be here. You can actually take them anywhere. They're hugely transportable. I've got friends who have you know, worked in countries where they don't actually speak the language, but if particularly in parts of Asia where, where English is actually spoken or American as they call it, is spoken uh, predominantly, you can still work and you can work through a trans creator as well. So it's, and I love it. And, and for me, being able to travel and being able to, you know, being afforded the opportunity to study cultures and become part of different cultures and then be able to sort of play with them in the work that we do, in the work that we produce is just a really, really, you know, an amazing profession to be in. So absolutely, I think it's, it is dust yourself down. You know, like I said, my plans changed. I was planning on going traveling, but then when somebody offered a job, you kind of feel slightly beholden and, and that would be awfully rude if I just went off then so changed the plans there and then again when when those sort of oh okay I'm now no longer a junior art director came along with redundancy first time redundancy oh okay well let's go back to that and let's just keep learning and keep moving um, and that's very much how I operate is sort of there are there are many parts of, of my career that have been bad, um, but they're, they're always, what can I learn from them? How can I move forward? And how will I learn not to do that again, if I possibly can next time? Yeah. And um, so what advice would you give to a junior that's entering the industry at the moment? It's tough, particularly at the moment with the remote things, because, um, uh, you know, I, I personally have been bombarded by sort of uh, requests and, and sort of digital elements. So I think it is, um, it's advice that I always give actually, is find the, the, the true path to success in the industry is finding your home. And that's, that's understanding. And that's also what, what being redundant taught me, uh, being made redundant was um, it's actually some places aren't meant to be your home. They might be part of the industry and they might be a, a bloody brilliant name to have on your CV, but it might not feel like the right place to be. And I think that's the, the juniors particularly coming out now have this great facility to learn a little bit more about the personalities 
of the agencies that they're looking at and of the leaders within the agencies that they're looking at in order to say, okay, is that me? Are they, are they super straight? Are they super focused on, on certain types of work? Are they a, a bit daft? Are they, um, do they have a sense of humor? How does that come across? Um, I think all of that can help you sort of go, okay, so that means I'm not that type of a person. I might be better there. And I think, so my advice would be to follow people on social media. And if you do find that there's somebody that you, you feel friendly about, and I think that's all warm about, I think that's the best way I could put it, then you can start to engage. So if, for example, I'd posted something and you've got something that you think is a valid comment on it, rather than just going, oh, that's great. It's kind of like, oh, actually, I think this is great. What it reminded me of would be X, Y, and Z, or it really inspired me to do X, Y, and Z. And so then you're, you're coming in on sort of a, a, a point of common interest rather than necessarily feel, and that's, that's where social media is, is your best friend at the moment, because you know, leaders won't actually know who they're conversing with. You just have to be interesting and similar um, to them. So I think that's what I'd advise is follow on social media, learn about where feels like home, and then respond with intelligence to things um, and really try and start to start a conversation. But you have to be interesting in order to start that conversation. Yeah, that, that's a very common thing, actually, that people look for, uh, especially in juniors, is they want to know you're engaging with them and why you want to work for them. It's not just a kind of blanket reaching out to anyone and everyone. It's, it's, it's the why and how. How are you going to add value or connect with, with that person as well, with your senior creative? Um, so uh, you've carved a very successful career for yourself over the years. I mean, how did you manage to work your way up to ECD at VaynerMedia? <laughs> Oh golly, ECD of all of two months now. Um, so yeah, I started my recent job five days before uh, work from home happened. So it's been a bit tough this last gig. Uh, how did I, uh, being persistent, um, refusing to to see dead ends, um, and I think it, it, you know, I'll keep coming back to it. It's just that curiosity and that persistence in moving forward. I've always been. Um, I've always been someone who's very aware of progress, of their own progress. I absolutely adore learning. Um, and so I, I'm quite a harsh critic of myself if I don't think I've moved forward or if I've changed how I work, then I will actually sort of tell myself off for that and, and start to look for other things. And so I think that's something that many, uh, particularly girls, fall back on. They kind of find a comfy space and then forget to keep moving within that and the problem with finding too much of a comfy space is that you're no longer challenging yourself and if you're no longer challenging yourself then potentially you're no longer really challenging the briefs as much as you possibly could so i suppose that's all i've really done you know i've i've, I've kept rolling um uh, you know when whenever whenever things that haven't been predictive have happened i've you know i've picked myself up and and basically just forged ahead and, and continued on regardless, basically, um, is the best advice that I can possibly give, I think. Okay. And that, that's helped me when I've moved between um, continents. So even uh, a specific example, I was uh, called out to be an ECD in Australia. This would have been probably, golly, is it FCB five years? So six and a half years, seven years ago. Uh, I came back and basically uh, what happened out there was um, 
I went out as ECD and the owner of the company, which was a subsid of DDB at the time, um, actually committed some bullying, really. It was sort of professional bullying to me. And I've never, ever experienced bullying in that way. And also, so, so you have real moments of self-doubt as to, is this really happening? Um, and it was sort of on a professional level, as it were. So he was just doing so, all sorts of underhand tactics to, to basically undermine any, any decisions. And it made me incredibly unhappy. It made me really, really go through periods of self-doubt. Um, and was he right? Was I wrong? But even through that, there's a point where it reached, it reached a moment and I was basically just, no, okay, this, is, this has to finish. And I, I closed um, uh, the appointment of being an ECD and had a chat with my husband and he'd come out to Australia with me, obviously. Be weird that, wouldn't it, if I got on with him? Um, as had the dogs, as had, I've got two dogs, they'd, they'd also come out. As had all of my house, we'd got an amazing house out in Surrey Hills. And it took me a day and a half to decide to just shut the whole thing down and pull back to London and just kick off back in London. And, and it's that sort of resilience of basically saying, this might be ending, but there'll be something else that will appear. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing is constantly going, okay, so it's not this, but it might be over here. And it's that constant looking and learning and keeping that movement going, I think definitely. Yeah. I think that's a very common theme. It's like resilience, grit, it's not giving up. It's just keep push, push, pushing all the time. Um, which leads on to my next question is, what challenges have you had to overcome being a female in the creative industry? <laughs> I mean, this is endless, right? <laughs> well, that was a particular one. But um, also I think because, uh, you know, because I'm old, um, when I came up through, um, and I've gone through sort of unconscious bias training and all of this. And my unconscious bias was to white males. So because I've been raised in that environment and because I've always wanted to do advertising, so you accept that that's the normal road. So I had to sort of learn, you know, learn to manage that and also to be quite surprised at myself for that as someone who's been quite so active in, in sort of diversity issues. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I suppose the it's just learning how to carry yourself so that you are able to take control in those moments where you feel you've had control removed from you or so if you are in meetings where you've suggested an idea and you haven't been listened to it is about that moment where you actually sort of stop and or finding somebody finding a, a, a buddy who will actually work with you to enable you to have a voice because i think that's that's happened to everybody it's actually even about, um, and I did my TED talk on this as well. It came up as a sort of a life cycle of, of a girl through from university all the way through into, into creative directorship. Um, and it's all those small moments is just finding ways through. So for example, if you feel that you've been, you're getting great briefs, but they're on a specific type of client beauty, for example, um, then actually raise that with someone who, who is in charge of your, of your brief flow, basically, to try and just give you an opportunity to keep your, your book broad and your, your book really, really um, engaged in, in all aspects. And rather than necessarily, and this used to happen to girls a lot, is you'd get put on um, feminine, in inverted commas, brands, which would be fashion, would be beauty. Um, and then you're just niched because then you're never seen that you can actually um, conquer the big briefs, like the booze briefs, the cars briefs, the, you know, all of those that, that we always go on about, um, the tech briefs. And so I think that's the, the thing is, is in those circumstances, it's, it's being, being aware 
of, of your own progress and the work that you're producing and then finding the confidence to speak to somebody else and raise it as kind of look I know that this has been happening and I know that you know um, these are one of our major clients and I'm really happy working on this however if there is an opportunity for me to work on something else even proactively if I can just nick the briefs and just throw some ideas in into the mix to start to broaden that back out um, then I think that's always that's that's very key and that that happens time and time again um, and that's happened to, to many many friends as well who um, it doesn't seem to be an age thing either. So it seems to be that women are seen as great caretakers of brands, which means we get the, the, the ones that are great because they bring in a lot of cash for the agency, but might not necessarily be the superstar brands. So I think that's, it's just being aware at every level rather than assuming that you've solved it as soon as you get to 40. It, you haven't. <laughs> yeah, I remember that's one of the things I saw. I, I watched your your TED talk, and that you mentioned that how women are given the the caring brands because they're meant to be seen as oh so caring, and and how that that's so true. That whole pigeonholing um, with briefs. So you set up Creative Equals um, in collaboration with Ali Hanan, and so could you tell us a bit more about that and other initiatives you're involved in? Certainly. Um, I partnered Ali, um, golly, years ago. It was when I came back from the time in Australia. So um, I'd known Ali for years. Um, when I was a creative director at another agency, she used to come in as our sort of super, uh, supercharged senior copywriter. And we just got on like a house on fire. Um, she's a she's a Kiwi. So um, uh, sort of that Antipodean background sort of came came through. And she is just a tour de force. So when I came back from Australia, as I said, I sort of had to pick myself up, dust myself off. This is the recent time and um, met up with Ali. Um, and she was equally having frustrations over here that there seemed to be a lot of great initiatives like um, like she says, who's brilliant at talking to girls and, and energizing girls and educating girls and giving them all of the different influences to, to enable them to, to rise up. Um, however, nobody was speaking to the agencies and it was the agencies which are the problem because there's no point all of us sort of dusting ourselves off and just going, right, okay, I know where I am. I've learned this. I'm able to speak with confidence um, and, and, and present and all of that. If actually once you get into the system, the system is still exactly the same. Mm. So I can remember it actually, it's in the Grind coffee shop. Um, Ali and I were there in Hoban. It's no longer there now. It's next to um, the Hoxton Hoban Hotel on the left-hand side. And we basically just, um, she'd cycled there and we just had this really heated conversation. And basically um, I was still fuming about um, Australia. And we said, well, well, sod it, let's just do something. And, and that was really when Creative Equals was born. And then, um, yeah, setting up with the, yeah, doing everything. And we did everything ourselves. Um, initially it was just the power of, of us both so I set up the initial website it was my, my the colorways and the the logo type was you know sort of working together with and Ali was just yeah pulling all of those um, other connections in and just enabling that to get off the ground um, and it was a huge a huge amount of work which is why I in the end I had to pull back out of it was because I was still in full-time work and it needed a lot more than than I could give it so I was trying to fit in other agency meetings to try and get agencies to buy into and sign up to Creative Equals. 
um, outside of my day job, um, which just doesn't fit because obviously the people in the agencies need it to be in the day job. So uh, that's sort of when Ali absolutely, you know, it's her baby. Um, I just partnered with her getting it off the ground and adding my energy to her energy, which really gave it sort of that initial lift. Um, and then she's taken it on into other amazing um, things now. Um, other than that, as I said, I've been, I spoke, oh golly, I've been a speaker for years at, at She Says events uh, from their small beginnings in, in London with Ali um, and Laura, and um, which has always been super. So I've mentored for them for absolutely years. Um, and also I've partnered with The Girlhood to get an initiative inside FCB which is about a different path for creatives. So non-traditionally educated creatives um, and pulling those in to an eight week system. Um, it started off sort of as a bit of a competition that, that trimmed down the teams. And then there was a really intensive um, four week period. And then after that, um, another four week period uh, where we just whittled down through teams. And at the, at the end, we took on three creatives that we gave a six month internship to. Um, and they were all brilliant in many different ways. One of them went off to become a journalist. Somebody else went off to go into art direction in the record industry. Um, so it was interesting just getting that energy and, and learning as well. So, um, and there were, there were learnings to be taken from, from that because it was a pilot project. Mm. So, um, you know, the learnings from my end are the, the time and energy and actually, again, that system to pull in people who haven't been trained in creative uh, ways the system inside your agency has to be so much more ready because you become that education system you want to keep the raw energy and the raw creativity but you don't you don't want necessarily to um to to sort of um yeah you have to sort of talk teach the 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 rules of the game as it were because we all know there are rules that we all apply to every day within the agencies anyway so um yeah picking up on a lot of that so they've sort of been the key ones really um and just keeping my hand in with those when i can yeah uh, that that's so right what you said about actually approaching the agencies themselves and trying to implement change there because i know i've done my own mentoring with like kerning the gap and when you're meeting with incredible uh, female directors that are so talented but they're restricted because right at the top it's all controlled by by males and they don't know how they can progress mm -hmm. so um anyone that's watching um this this talk between us at the moment what can they do as individuals actually to try and implement change within their own uh ad agencies as well well there's a host of tools that um are still on creative equals site mm -hmm. um i think it's just making your seniors aware asking the questions if there's something that you think is um, is an ism, is a is a sexism, racism, ageism, um, whatever. Uh, then then just be that voice. I used to call it be the be the sort of the grit in the in in the system. Um, like you said before, it's um, it's not being frightened to kind of pull people aside and go, I'm actually not okay with that, and I'm not okay with that for these reasons. Um, and it does take quite a lot of confidence for you to do that. So finding a, a soft way to do that. So that might not be the people who are in the room at the time uh, when something happens. That might be another of the leaders or the more seniors within, within your agency. Um, so I think that would be sort of the first thing is, well, first thing is watch yourself. 
<laughs> your own behavior. Um, I still refer to everyone as chaps and lads and, and whatever. That's just the vernacular that's always been in my head. And now I have to change it to peeps and other irritating shortening words. Um, so it's watching your own behavior and then just starting to remind people that, that whilst they might not see it, you see it or you, you're being made aware of things. Um, but doing in a way that feels positive to the agency. So feel in a way that basically, um, hey, I think we can add to things by. So come with a solution saying, look, I was in a meeting, this made me feel uncomfortable. What I think we can do here actually is, I don't know, um, at FCB, they put together just um, almost a little task force with any work that we were about to produce was basically pushed you know placed somewhere they had a checkpoint if it all went through and, and then it's basically just a first look um, and it just allowed us to understand a multiple of views um, very quickly so that we didn't go out with any clangers um, really and that is because you know through most agency networks we've hit a few clangers in, in the past so it's trying to pick ourselves up in our own work and it's doing absolutely everything that you can within your own work. So it's making sure that you're looking for um, equal representation. So I'm doing a global project at the moment that's everything from TVCs all the way through to your social posts um, globally. And it's understanding that through every deck that I'm producing, you now have to have such a global view of things mm -hmm. that it's no longer my view that's important, that you have to imagine that you're viewing it as somebody from a different market and am I represented? Um, so what are the scenarios that we're showing? And even then, you know, so, so that's in your own conceptual level. And then when you get into production, it's making sure, like you say, of being a female director, then do you have, have you picked um, you know, a diverse selection of directors to have on your, on your list that you then share with the client? Are you doing your own job to check that there isn't a female photographer that you could have on your, on your reel or whatever? Um, so I think it's doing your own homework before you start to necessarily point the fingers at the agencies and tell them that, that it's, it's their issue. So I'd very much proactively start doing doing that if, if your agency isn't doing that already, of course, and many of them are. Um, and then there are loads of tools to sort of help um, that if you haven't got a senior female uh, mentor in your own agency, then whether it's She Says or many of the others are actually set up in, in ways that you can get access to more senior females so that you can feel representation and can feel there's a path through there. Um, so, yeah, I think that <laughs> covers a multitude. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's the right way to um, to try and implement change is actually to come up with a solution because it's so easy to wave the finger and, and complain. And uh, but unless you actually then present, OK, this is an alternative. Why don't we try this? That's far more effective, I think. Definitely. Um, so with the pandemic at the moment um, that we've all been going through, it's, it's been quite interesting to observe countries that actually have female leaders who seem to be faring better. Um, do you think that that's going to have a more of a positive influence on how people are perceiving female leadership, perhaps? I don't know, because if you throw Angela Merkel up against <laughs> Jacinta, we'll get very different country views. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think it's, I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree that, that all female leaders are dealing with things better. Um, I do think it's interesting the, the great job and the hero that Jacinta's become. Um, you know, I think Australia 
as trying to vote her in as their prime minister um and and the world would be a better place if they did um yeah. so, <laughs> so i do think it's interesting that female leadership is taking the stage um slightly more or or should i say an alternative type of female leadership and that's why i raised the the comparison of angela merkel versus um jacinta because Mm -hmm. uh, they're very different leaders um, and I would say that the Angela Merkel way falls much more into the traditional model of leadership whereas Jacinta definitely isn't um, so yeah I wouldn't necessarily put it down gender lines is probably what I'd, I'd say a different style of leadership and how that has helped out in the pandemic I think definitely but is it down to gender I'm not sure I'm convinced on that well, this is why I wanted to ask you because you just see the media all the time doing that blanket statement of female leaders are better and and like you said there's there's so much more to it it's the different leadership styles actually um so also how's um Vayner media been affected by um coronavirus at the moment have you been hit quite heavily? well no we haven't we are um looking for some wood the desk will do um no we haven't we're actually and this is why you know this is why I've, 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 I've requested that we kept it to the limited time so sorry for, for oh. people who are watching um it's basically we've gone from strength to strength it's absolutely crazy so what i have noticed though is some of the lead times is obviously short everything has slowed down Mm -hmm. So particularly in the first sort of month that we're in lockdown, when we're all running around with our hands in the air whilst focused on Zoom calls, um, everything slows down, particularly, I think, creative processes. I'm finding the inspiration quite a lot more difficult. I absolutely adore my commute to work. I'm bizarre, I know, but I only have a small train ride and quite a, a, a nice walk at the other end. So I really miss seeing life. And I think that um, creatives have kind of suffered slightly more um, in that way. So, so work has slowed down and client-wise, some other projects have slowed down. Other projects have shuffled forward. So what we were really good at with Vayner was um, recognizing that even stuff we'd shot the week before lockdown was no longer relevant and mm. so we took you know we, we literally had a team out shooting for one of our biggest clients which is RBS and um, and we proactively went to them and said look we can't go out with this this is not a message to be happening right now what is the message that where we think you can help is X Y and Z so again it's kind of going oh this is awkward because we've all just spent time and money and effort doing this However, this is where we think you as your brand can have a role. And that we've applied that thinking throughout, through all of our different client mix. And it's, it's really, really worked. And also we're getting new business requests. So, um, you know, we've got new business coming in. I think we've got new, three new brands coming on board this week, which is just crazy bonkers for, for whatever. So I think what the pandemic is, is doing is enabling um, clients to look around for a different type of model. And I suppose that's what Vayner gives. So Vayner is, is an ad agency, but also has media agency on it. So that gives you different ways of thinking and slightly more control, um, which I've never worked with, with all, of, all in one house before, um, which is just really super interesting anyway. But also because of the, the Gary V effect, with um, his learnings of how we can use, actively use creative thinking in order to hone insight, in order to end up with a better creative product. That's interesting to clients. That is something different. That makes them 
it, it allows more accountability of your creativity. So it's quite, it's quite terrifying as an ECD to sort of go, well, I'll have less control because you put lots more out there and you basically see where the strong runners are and you follow that. And then that builds up into your final ATL stuff. Um, but it's quite exciting. That's one of the reasons why I joined Vayner was because it feels like they are having a look at how to do advertising differently. And I think advertising is too small of a word for our industry now, because what we do is so much more than fits in that little advertising box. You know, it's all about communications. And whilst that sounds like a really particularly idiot word um, that no one in normal land says, um, but I think it's just bigger than advertising. And so I also think clients are noticing that. And, and in times like this, they're looking for something different to make an effect on their bottom line, to make an effect on their brands of how they can play smarter rather than just play with more cash because all of the budgets for clients have been, have been cut. So, um, and that is a reality, but uh, the work is still coming in. So yeah, I'll keep touching the desk. Yeah, that, that's really good to hear actually, Becky, because I've, I know some agencies out there are actually doing okay and um, doing quite well and looking to hire and then there's others out there where you try to call them and you can't get through it's really strange dialing mm -hmm. phone and then it dials off um so have you furloughed any staff at Vayner? no we have made no redundancies and we have furloughed nobody so um and that's that was an absolute commitment to our staff um saying saying that that was never would never be our intention so um and as i say we haven't we haven't had the business drop off that meant we had to so um yeah we still have our full crew of of people working so we're, we're about 60 so we're not enormous um so there isn't much fat in the system anyway um and yeah we're absolutely not not using it in that in that way so yeah it's been been heartening that way yeah that's that's really reassuring I, I love hearing like good news that's going on at the moment and companies that are robust and still doing well um do you feel like we may be heading into a recession I think we definitely are um, just because the spendings, you know, just the time to get back up to normal will will that will be months. That's not going to be a quick switch on. Um, so, yeah, I definitely do think that. And we're hearing that from clients. You know, we're having the budgets, as I said, that are coming in might be smaller than they were previously. So you're having to really negotiate that scope and do it with, you know, with consciousness rather than just accepting a, a smaller fee for the same work um, and many clients are, are, are what what has changed i suppose is that clients are also more amenable because suddenly we're all in the same boat um, and that does show that there is a recession on so actually when we come back saying okay we understand that from your perspective but actually therefore from our perspective we will probably guarantee x amount and anything above that then falls out um and they're, they're being more amenable to that so i think whereas previously you'd have procurement driving a very hard bargain um she's so yeah i think i think it's working that way but definitely there is definitely a recession coming it's just we're not going you know who knows, I was just reading, you know, in the paper that the, the shops that won't be reopening um, when shops are, re are allowed. So there's big high street brands that just won't appear on the high street anymore um, because they just won't be able to afford to open their shop fronts. So they'll still be there in the virtual world and at some point may well reappear uh, or Phoenix out. But yeah, and I think that that will will be apparent across all industries, to be honest. So there will be there will be a 
a culling of, of, of sort of businesses and, and of all types. And it's, I don't think it'll be pretty, to be honest. I'm hoping they just don't hike the taxes too much. That's <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? At the moment, with all this kind of furlough support that the government's offering, how they're going to try and reclaim some of that money back in taxes and what's going to happen there. And I've spoken to a lot of accountants that have said things to me like, oh, it's, it's been a sharp um, decline, but it's the bounce back's going to be as, as sharp. Do you believe that? that people are bad? I don't think it can be as sharp because partly because particularly the change that industries are going to have to take. So even, you know, with us looking to return, um, as I said, we're quite a small shop, we're 60. So we're, we're over two floors um, and, you know, HR has been working with, um, with, man, with leadership to basically to, to go, okay, so what's our floor space? We're too small to have a one way system. Mm. So what does that mean? What does that practically mean in as much as, and, and how far these restrictions sort of progress, progress and if they come back in. So all of that means that we're not going to be working at the hundred percent as in, right, we're done now back in as normal everyone back crowded on the trains and everyone straight back to your desks please so I think that will have an effect so I think it will be the the old um they keep calling it the bell curve don't they which is that one rather than the v um I'm, I'm less a believer in the v <laughs> yeah and um do they now have any hiring plans at all over the next couple of months we have two active positions that are hiring. Um, so they're uh, a final piece in the leadership, which is um, uh, delivery, head of delivery. Mm -hmm. uh, they're fairly way down in the, in the conversations though. We've been having conversations. Again, these things have slowed down in, in um, the past couple of months. Um, so we're close to hopefully hiring the head of delivery. Um, and then we were uh, also looking for um, a strategy director. And again, we've sort of, that's been going on for the last eight weeks, I think. So they've been moving through. Uh, we haven't any sort of lower, more lower down the, the system. Um, there are plans for in October to start sort of looking again um, at, at sort of particular, well, it all depends on this new business because this might change by, but give me, give me a call in two weeks and I'll be I'll basically going, yes, absolutely. I need more creatives on board. Um, but at the moment we've, we're pretty, we're okay in creative. And also obviously with me being new on board, I'm just starting to get a feel for how the department structure is and then form the, the creative department structure that I wish it to be. So that's why creative is not at the moment because it's not at a stage that I can, I feel confident in able to, to go, yeah, definitely there's a hole here. So I need to fill that hole. Um, yeah. yeah. But, Okay, so if there are any strategy directors um, watching this talk, how would they then apply to the role? Would they get in contact with you or? Uh, certainly not me, no. Uh, it's on the website. So all of our positions that are open are on the website, yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, so how do you predict the new normal's gonna look after we re-emerge out of lockdown and working from home, etc.? Yeah, well, I think that, um, I think it is gonna be this sort of, you know, we've, we've heard the big announcements from Twitter and also um, Google. Um, so the big tech boys are re-looking at their, um, at their, how they use office space. Mm. I was talking about this with my mum, bizarrely, um, who's completely retired and used to work in mental health. So I'm not sure why we were, but anyway. Um, and saying that actually the movement to working from home, I think will be less that it's less going to be, okay, 50% work from home and 50% are in. I think it will be more rotational so that you have that contact because 
as I said, that's something that I've really missed is, is actually the contact of, of different people and the inspiration that brings and the connection that that brings. So I think that the benefits, what we, what we have been learning, and I'm, I've been doing a piece on this actually called uh, Learning to Lead from a Distance, um, is what benefits can we take from this time into the new normal, as, as you say. And I think basically it's going to be more, uh, like I say, a rotational system. So we will be more able to accept somebody working from home, whereas previously someone to suggest that an ECD could work from home would just be met with absolute in incredulity mm -hmm. in the same way because everyone feels creatives always had to be in the room and, and you have to sort of keep them in the engine room and, and monitor, them, monitor them like naughty children, otherwise they don't work. And that doesn't matter how how senior you are. That's that's the view. Um, so, um, and I think we'll be pulling that in a little bit more, where there will be an acceptance of, okay, you've got that project, or that that feels absolutely applicable that you would work better in a in a remote environment. Um, so I think there'll be more flexibility and therefore more openness to people who might not have been able to offer a full five days a week in the office thinking, oh God, that's not the industry for me then. But actually, if you are needing more flexible hours and more flexible working, then that's opening that industry up um, a lot more. So I think, I think it will, will change things in that way. Um, it'll, it'll also, um, and this has been all over the papers as well, affect how many meetings we will go to. So particularly international business meetings and client meetings, it will really be, okay, let's get together when we need to do the big sell, but actually the updates and everything else we can do, you know, by voice rather than, you know, I've been traveling for two hours out to clients in the past and so two hours you end up taking the whole day just for a meeting that's an hour and a half that's just simply a silly use of everybody's time mm -hmm. and so I think that will be more recognized now so I think it is using the remote tools uh, more astutely uh, but also recognizing when we need to come together and we need that motivation and inspiration of being collectively held as a team yeah and how do you think consumers um mindsets have changed because i've heard of people all the time talking about all this soul searching they've been doing and priorities have changed and um they might not want to be online shopping grabbing that new like dress or shoes all the time and how do you think this has affected consumers mindsets yeah i think i think cons <laughs> consumers <laughs> us are very fickle yeah. So whilst we're probably feeling quite pious right now um, and loving our neighbours and, and definitely, you know, um, a whole lot of love for everybody out there, um, I think we will forget that very quickly. Now, I'm a cynic. I've been in it too long to not be, unfortunately. Um, but I, I do think habits will, will return. I think with some consciousness, though. So, um, yeah about about new purchasing and and the need for consumerism um gucci announced that they're no longer doing they're dropping two of their seasonal shows and they won't be announcing um their uh shows as seasonal anymore so that, because they don't want their clothes to have a limited lifespan and it's changes like that that will make the difference and so that sort of just shows the zeitgeist particularly of consumerism in in fat and in, in, in as far as fashion um so I think that will be a long, a long term outcome is we might react less to that, that constant need as soon as the pay packet comes in at the end of the month to rush straight out and, and run whooping into a shop somewhere. Um, but I, I also think the first week out of full lockdown, we will, well, I'll be out there in a ball dress for God's sake. It's like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 
I miss having to dress up. You know, I've, I've been putting dresses and, and shirts on, but living in jeans in the bottom. And it's just ugh, it's depressing. It, and you just think, well, I don't want to sit in my good clothes. It's like, I'm bored of that. So I want to be up and out again. So I think the first week, everyone will probably look like they're on a proper old prom uh, up and down high streets everywhere. But I think after that, um, consumer behavior will be affected. But also there's the negative. One of our big clients we work with is, is Shell Renewables specifically. And obviously climate change has completely disappeared off the agenda. It's still on the agenda. But with all of the implications of uh, CV19, you know, all the, all the progress that we made with keep cups and uh, re, you know, getting rid of, of plastics. If you think only recently, Marks and Sparks went through um, that massive, massive um, system in their retail stores of pulling all of their fruit and veg out of plastic packaging. Mm. And now suddenly with COVID-19, you're then thinking, golly, should be, and, and I've seen some supermarkets are now repackaging they're things like avocados, they're things like, uh, you know, pears or apples or whatever, so that, that people can perceive them as being clean again. So I think that's the big thing that we'll need to balance out at the end of it is actually um, is our short term and I'm calling it short term as in humans um, concern. Uh, how does that actually weigh up against then again what we're doing long term, which is the planetary and environmental concern? And I, I think there's a massive balance that at the moment we've kind of suppressed the one in order to 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 solve the other. Um, and I think it'll be interesting seeing how that comes back. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so I'm very mindful of time, Becky. But um, shall we go on to the Q and A? Sure. Section. Yes. What do I have to do? Click on the thingy. I'll, I'll click on them and see what we got here. So, uh, okay. So, um, one question is you've spoken about transferable skills and opportunities to work abroad. What's your advice for taking the first step in finding work abroad post COVID, obviously? Uh, yeah, hazmat seat. Um, um, I think, again, it's, it's uh, finding agencies, doing your homework, finding agencies abroad who, who do good work or do, a, or do work that you like or you think you can add to or your skills echo. So it, it is unfortunately doing your, doing your basic homework uh, you know, uh, and starting those conversations. There's nothing to say that you can't start following those people uh, attempting to link in with them on LinkedIn or, and again, never just send a blank LinkedIn, actually always send a message as to why you think it would be valuable for, for, to, have, to start a conversation. Mm. Um, so you can start doing that from here, from home. Start following their, their feeds on Insta or on Twitter to see more of the work that's being produced. And, and that will really tell you as to whether you, where you should sort of start aiming for and start warming people up and then speak to people like Nikki, speak, get to speak to recruiters uh, in the country where you're headed for, because they're a huge source of information about who are the best um, agencies to freelance for um, and who are open to taking on longer or more permanent uh, stayers. Uh, because obviously all visa regulations and everything so i think they're the two things is personally have a look around and get a feel for agencies so that you've got a conversation and then turn to the nickies of the world and basically say look i'm gonna i'm thinking of going here i'm still in the uk at the moment my my feelings where i really like this agency how about it here's my book can we have a skype can we have a zoom and actually have a chat through about how this might work out i've got my be definite with recruiters, so don't waste their time. Say, you know, I'm planning on coming from September until, give them definite times that this is not just a fishing expedition. 
um, that actually you are coming to the country that they work in. Um, and then I've always found them to be uh, an invaluable source of information, definitely. Yeah, that's that's so right. What you said there, Becky, about being very specific. And if people are just skirting around, potentially thinking about it, you're not going to give them the same attention as someone that has committed. It's going to be in the country at a certain time, etc. Um, so the next question is, can you recommend any schemes for senior designers to mentor juniors? Um, I've just been made redundant from my senior designer role and I have some downtime. I'd like to help mentor some juniors. Um, absolutely. So um, she says uh, mentoring is who's your mama. Mm -hmm. um, and they've actually just resent out a form that I felt sorry. I'm looking to the to my left because I filled it in only probably four hours ago, um, which is picking up new information on mentors. And it goes through all of that as to how many years experience you've got, what skills you've got, when you're available to start. So, uh, yeah, she says, who's your mama? Um, it's run by Rachel Gott. So if you, um, yeah, if you, if you have a look for who's your mama, that should be out there, but yeah, they're, they're scouting now. So, so that's an, that's an open way. And, and thank you very much for offering to add your experience. Um, so moving on to next question, do you have any advice for first time CDs asking for someone who embodies the politely annoying characteristic you mentioned and finding that it was more beneficial as a junior creative than as a senior one? So advice for new CDs. Mm. Yeah, I think it's learning your, learning your style and becoming confident in, you know, the change from being senior into CD is, is the shift from, from maker to manager and sort of, um, and sort of architect, I suppose, of your own, of your own domain. So um, I, I learn to adjust in that way, be confident in the skills that you know. So if you're owning clients, if that's how you've become a CD is, is because you're now in ownership of a single client, then be really confident in that. Um, and, and I think at CD level, drop the politeness. You shouldn't need to be polite at CD level. You've, you've made it because you've got the experience, because you've got the skills. So um, try and absorb that, which sometimes can be a bit, a bit tough. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think now is not the time to be, uh, you know, politely annoying. It's, it's about confidently understanding your reasoning for saying things, your reasoning for suggesting things. Um, and, and, and yeah, your confidence in that will actually engender the confidence in those that you're managing as well and leading. So that would be my advice. Okay, that's really good advice there. Um, last question, how do Vayner recruit? Is it from direct approach or using recruitment consultancies? And what's your view of recruitment consultancies? Just answer honestly, Becky, I won't be offended. I know not everyone likes us. <laughs> um, well, see, I, I can answer on both ways. So Vayner recruits di direct into the website, but we also have um, a recruiter who uh, works inside Vayner. So they are um, a recruitment model that basically places their people within agencies. So for two days a week, he has been inside Vayner for the last eight, month, eight nine months. Um, and so he knows the agency inside and out and all recruitment, whether you come direct through the website or LinkedIn or wherever, goes through him as first port of call. Mm -hmm. um, and he does all the first check. Um, so that's how Vayner models it. And yeah, all of our openings are on the website. We're, we're normally 
we're not known for for being a quiet agency let's put it that way um so yeah we, we like to, to to keep things out there in social um as far as recruitment consultants i've I have got some really great friends that I have um, that I have known through the system through the years that have taken me from being a junior from being a junior and then coming back as a midweight and then when I decided to shuffle across as a midweight into freelance being able to get me into that freelance scenario um, and, and helping me with my book and with those sort of those crossings between the UK and with Australia and, and I've worked sort of globally as well having recruitment friends who know the industry who know the city that you're going to there's no better way to make your book bespoke to to the market that you're about to go into so i think as i said before they're an invaluable resource um and they also do quite a lot of the filtering that that that, that is needed on some of the roles where i think we need to start doing a different model is to as i said recruiting outside of traditional education systems which at the moment i don't think anyone has solved and that so that at the moment isn't um held within recruitment consultancies mm. so that's where i'd like sort of things to do better is is sort of whether it's through stripes or um through the dnad programs or whatever is the ways of actually gathering and spotting and judging and and um curating creative that doesn't fall out of the traditional education system so yeah, yeah i think i think be friends with recruiters they are they can be invaluable to you that's good to know um i've actually been looking into what you just mentioned about you know hiring people outside the traditional education backgrounds anyway um but i'm i'm aware of time becky so i just want to wrap this up now and again thank you so much for your time um, and finding the time to talk to me today and give all this invaluable information to people um so thank you yeah. for asking yeah <laughs> hopefully i got through a few questions anyway <laughs> and if anyone's enjoyed this feel free to to tweet or um post about on instagram as well and um take care everyone and uh, see you later thanks nikki bye, bye.